jolts with Larry Flick on Sirius XM OutQ. I'm Larry Flick, and this is your morning jolt on Sirius XM OutQ. Keith Price. Hmm. You know, I normally, it's time to be <laughs> confessional. Tell it. <laughs> Scary movies, not really my favorite thing. They kind of, <laughs> nobody likes to look at a guy my size scream like a two-year-old girl. But we have we have a, a, a legend in the studio, probably the only man whose scary movies I have seen uh-huh. because he's uh, an auteur. We're talking about you like you're dead and you're not here, but know, he's actually alive. He's in the room. Put a sheet over me. Is it- <laughs> Wes Craven joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. It's very, very nice to have you with Thank us. Thank you. I with my own sound effects, as you noticed. I, I was very impressed. Yes. That was really good. That you was really good. You bark your dogs very well, too. <laughs> Can oh. you do Ooh, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven's new film, My Soul to Take, opens today, mm. and it promises to um, it promises to scare you, because it's also, am I correct, it's in 3D. Yes, it's mm-hmm. in 3D. Mm-hmm. So it scares you three times as much. So is it like, are you going to be constantly like dodging? <laughs> <laughs> Throw bodies at the at the audience the whole time. <laughs> you know, no, actually we, we did 3D because, you know, my sense of 3D is it's just coming. And it's going to be the way we watch movies. I know. So yeah. um, I was rather like than throwing things those at the audience, on I, we're, we're just doing it like nor- more normal, very subtle. And I appreciate you for that because... <laughs> You know, you just think of like the train coming towards you in those early three D yeah. movies. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't like yeah, we the don't glasses. Have I don't know if I we like the glasses, that. but we'll see. But but you can kind of stretch rooms and do weird things very subtly. You know, in a scene like if somebody's going mad or having a vision, you can do something very subtle that the audience is not even aware of, with the dimension of rooms and size of figures. That is quite interesting. How uh, much extra pre-production preparation did you have to do for shooting in three D? Zero. Zero. The film really? was shot in 2D, and we didn't think of doing 3D until later. Oh. And because the the new way of doing them is to do them in post, where computers go kind of look at the film and decide what the outlines of people are, and, and they cut, you know, uh, plates for all that. So it's highly technical, but basically everything is divided out from everything else, and then you assign distances from the screen for all those things. So uh, that's all done by computers, and then humans come in and sort of polish it up. But you can make all the decisions after you've shot everything. And I suppose it, the old way of shooting with you know cameras that had two lenses, in it, which is very kind of awkward and cumbersome and everything. And so is this, is there any danger of it not looking the way you first conceived it in your head? Um, no, there's not, and I was afraid of that. I, I, I I struggle with the you know with the options for a couple months, but um, it it's turned out quite beautiful. And the studio was into me doing it without being gimmicky about it, which was kind of the deal breaker for me. If if I had to you know be having blood spurting into the audience or something like that, so we just had the film as it was shot and uh, added the sort of dimension of three D and did some of the manipulations of space and and things that were very subtle. For certain scenes, but basically you're just looking at it the way your eyes would see it. Well, that's going to be that's actually encouraging yeah. as we look at we were looking at the uh, the box office score for like the owl movie. And you're thinking 
a 3D owl Ooh. movie. <laughs> really? Well, okay. Might have been a loon. I don't know. I just, I, and it's making a ton of money on top of that. So what do I know? But um, this is this is a, a, obviously a very scary concept of, of coming back. Someone coming back to um, I, to exact all sorts of things. Um, is this an idea that's been because you wrote this movie? Yes. Is this an idea that you've been toying with for a while the idea of multiple personalities and one of those personalities not being as good as the others no you know it's very funny the idea just came in a flash yeah and it was really more limited it was just like this normal guy who well not totally normal he had multiple <laughs> personality disorder but he knew who they were he was seeing a psychiatrist he and he was deemed to be safe and all the Characters were safe, and they had an agreement not to talk except in, under hypnosis. And you know, he was—he considered himself relatively normal. But serial killings that were taking place in the area uh, were something he, he didn't think he had anything to do with. And then he discovers that he has a personality he doesn't know about that is doing those killings. So that was kind of just a chilling thought, like, "Whoa, that would be really scary." And the next step was to do, to realize you could do that if you had seven personalities and one was a killer, and the police killed him, then uh, it would be cool to have seven kids born that night, unusually, in this small-town hospital. So this film takes place on their 16th birthday. So obviously they all know each other because they were all born on the same night. Uh, they're a bit of an oddity in the town. And the legend is in the town that either this guy will come back to get the kids because he didn't really die that night, or else he'll come back in one of them because one of them has the soul of the bad personality. So now, what I love about this movie and what you've just uh, shared with us is that as fantastical as what you've just laid out is, there's there's earthbound information or or material to ponder because none of us is all good. and And it makes me think, this movie makes me think about the part of myself capable of terrible things. I think we're, do you, do you agree with the idea that well, funny we're I all say capable that. of yeah. terrible, terrible things? You're, it's very unusual for you to admit that because most people say, well, I don't have terrible thoughts. But my feeling Oh my is gosh, I live, most... I dine out on my terrible thoughts, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I make my living here. I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so does he. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but a lot of people are very uh, nervous about that feeling. But I do think that there is within us the capacity to be very meaner or destructive if, you know, if we didn't have frameworks of behavior control that we're taught at a very young age, you know, mm. uh, things that come out in warfare or when society disintegrates and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's very interesting to me to think of somebody that has a pers personality that is as extreme as being a murderer. And also the idea that maybe a personality in the film we there's a, a character that's Haitian uh, from, from Haiti originally, and she says, in Haiti, it's not multiple personalities that people have. It's multiple souls. Yeah. Oh. And the guy says, what's the difference? And she says, well, uh, personalities die when the person dies, but souls live on. So there's this background in this movie of that it wasn't personalities that were passed along. It was actually souls, and that they can carry with them, uh, a bad soul can carry with it this, uh, this wish for revenge. And it's kind of its hell. You can't escape from it. So that, to me, is kind of a complex spiritual, psychological concept, and I kind of like playing with it, you know? And there's a character among the seven kids that is tied to this man um, but doesn't know it. Um, mm -hmm. 
And that character really comes into his manhood by discovering what his past is. And also, as some of his friends start to die among these seven, this kid who starts very, very, very innocent and not knowing kind of what's going on at all around him gets smarter and more canny and and, uh, uh, more strong. So by the end, he's a hero. So it's kind of a hero's journey, and it's a kid's journey towards manhood. So, you know, it has a lot of things about it that's just fascinating. And it's, it's like, and when you think about it over the course of the time, it's very quick how that maturation happens. Like, it's it's almost... It's 24 hours. 24 hours. Mm. And boom, it starts, and then it's on. And yeah. once it starts, it doesn't stop, which I loved. Yeah. Fascinating. Love, love, and yet it has a lot of, kind of, it has fun scenes. Yeah. And, and, and very tight friendship between him and his best friend. And So, to me, it's like, I this is where I would like horror to go, at least a little bit, is towards more rounded characters, a little bit more sympathy towards the characters, and not just slaughtering people or torturing. Well, you know? And yeah. it's it's... Uh, an obvious area I wanted to explore with you. You're talking to the uh, filmmaking legend Wes Craven here on The Morning Jolt. I'm Larry Flick with Keith Price, and the movie's called My Soul to Take opens today. Um, and and we're talking about a movie, and again, I'm not an aficionado of, of the genre, but I am a fan of, of what you do because what you do is textured and intelligent and thought-provoking and almost becoming an anomaly in the genre. Do you do you do you like being part of a genre that has become almost pornographic in its violence? Oh uh, no. <laughs> <Don't you? laughs> I because was thinking because... about being an anomaly is like being an, an amoeba or something. But uh <laughs> You know, uh, it, in some ways, it's good to be an anomaly, um, you know, because it sets you off. But because uh, well, it's smarter, there's yeah. there's actual there's 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 dialogue that actually says something in your movies. There, mm-hmm. there's there's just a lot going on. This is this is art. This isn't. Oh, don't say that word. But it is. I mean, and you know, I <laughs> that'll mean, kill it. That'll kill it. <laughs> It's not, not an art movie, not, all right. Not trying to it's kill not it. Not the left, right, whatever. But you know what? But you know what I mean. It 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 actually has a point of view. Yeah, yeah. but I always try to hide that. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, for instance. But to me, I was studying Eastern mysticism and and levels of consciousness, and consciousness was equated with being awake. Mm-hmm. But I never ever said that in an interview. You know, so I think there's some things that can be very complex, but and very ancient. But you don't have to tell the audience that. But they'll they'll recognize the sort of the story as being something that's eternally important, even though they think it's just momentarily within their own generation important, but it's really something that people have been struggling with for forever. So the same thing with this, you know, the, the, the wonder of who the hell your parents really were and what they've passed on to you and, you know, what we've all inherited from the human beings that have been around and acting in the past, you know, the whole racial thing in America, my God, look at what we inherited, yeah. you know, no matter what color we are. So... That those are and a lot of it is hidden and was hidden for many years. I just read a thing in the New York Times yesterday about the United States was doing uh, experiments in Guatemala where they're giving syphilis to yep. to uh, people natives down there to experiment with whether they responded to penicillin. So there's all these weird, you know, secrets, and I think secrets are uh, festering wounds. You know, so I like a story about a kid who tries to figure out, you know, who his parents were and how it's tied in with him, and because it's quite often the beginning of Freeing yourself to be yourself and not, you know, being sort of borne down by the what your father or mother did. And yet, watching your films is fun, and it's meant to kind of give you that jolt. Yeah, that. that well, like I say, I never, I never want the audience to be aware of that. And there's a lot of laughter in this film, and a lot of, a lot of just um, drama, you know, rather than 
somebody chasing you with a knife. Although there is that too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But do you ever wish that some of the filmmakers, some of the folks who, who make movies because of you, and there are a lot of them, hmm. do you wish that they had perhaps paid closer attention to what you were really saying and doing, unlike the basic viewer? You know, I it, it's not my place to be, you know, judgmental. And um, I, I think a, a, where a lot of the films about torture started was right during the time when torture was being um, kind of discovered by U.S. forces and um, CIA and things like that. So it, it was kind of a national issue in a way. And that, that stuff always gets into horror films. You know, kind of the horrors of the contemporary society, whatever it is, whether it's atomic testing creates giant ants in the 50s or whether it's something like torture is something that then has to be kind of mulled over by the popular consciousness. And then the sequels are kind of, oh, well, it's the studio making money. You know? well, and, but you the, know. Original, the original treatment of those subjects were, I think, in some ways uh, important. And so you, you, you joked about not wanting your films to be called art. Do you think that... Um do you think that people would be resistant even if you wanted it? Even if I wanted it to be art? If you wanted your, your films to be acknowledged as such. Oh. Um, I, th I think, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, as an artist, <laughs> I, I think it's very, very dangerous. It's like if, if, a, if Bruce Springsteen thought of himself as an artist when he did, you know, the original uh, album, I think he, he would have killed himself. You know, it, it's like you can't think that way because it's artist is such a precious precious concept it's kind of like oh I am special from everybody else and I know more or I feel more whatever it's just I feel like it's smart in a way to just think I'm a working stiff you know I'm a director working in the genre I try to make the best pictures I can and pictures that I would want to go see those are my two rules I want to I, I ask myself have you seen it before if you have don't do it and would you want to go see it if I can say yes to both those things you know would, would I go out of my way to see it then I think it's worth doing. So uh, beyond that, uh, and doing the best job I can as a filmmaker, I try not to think about it being art or not. So before we let you go, why do you like to be scared so much then? <laughs> I don't. I don't. This is all about dealing with fear. Huh. It's really about dealing with fear. So does it break you from your fears of? I think you, so. Have I you broken I, your phobias by, I, with these movies? Well, I, I think you know. even this picture um, uh, has to do a lot with fears from my childhood. Frankly, a nightmare on Elm yeah. Street did too. I had nightmares as a kid, and I remember that terrible feeling. Um, I had a father who I was afraid of, and then died. So it was kind of a mystery in me. And, and that there's a character in this film that's like that as well. Yeah. So uh, you know, a lot of what I write about is are things that you know scared me as a as a younger person that I've now moved beyond. So I think, in that sense, it's boot camp for the psyche, as, as I sometimes say. It's like you have to put people into a situation that's very much like the combat that they will be facing in real life, but it won't kill them, but they'll give them a good idea of what it's like. And I think some people respond to that and have a fun time with it. Other people are given nightmares by it, and then they should stay away because it's not, it's not working for them. But it does work for a lot of people. <laughs> I'm the one who cries at these movies. <laughs> <laughs> you cry, and I sit there going, oh, my God! Oh my I'm, I'm that, that person. Oh, my goodness. Well, Wes Craven... Thank you so much for, for spending some time with us. It's been an absolute honor. Absolutely. And the movie is called My Soul to Take. It opens today. Go see it. This is your morning jolt. Is the